Bring together safety professionals from Alaska, Montana, and East Tennessee. You get a podcast with a twang. Hosted by Alan Wolford, J.R. Kitchens, and Betty Stout. Dragon Up 6.0 is on the air. Wherever you go on the internet, Dragon Up 6.0 is there with you. DragonUp6.0.com. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And now, from Dragon Up 6.0. Here is Alan the Safety Guy with something new. A mind in constant motion. Now, what's that? What's that smell? Alan, something's burning. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're at. I just wanted to welcome you into the new year and thank you for taking a moment to listen to the very first 2021 Mind in Constant Motion. As I've said in an earlier episode, a Mind in Constant Motion is just a singular show. It's not where I drag JR and Betty into it and we get into a conversation, but it's basically, as the title implies, it's where my mind is in constant motion. One of the things I try to do on this episode episode or in this show is to address certain things that I see or I feel strongly on. And one of the things that has come up is with a new year, we need new beginnings. If you've listened to our previous show that we taped for the 2021 release where we had 2020 in review, Betty and JR and myself, we looked at some of the things that both piqued our interest, pissed us off, and probably set, you know, undertones for future shows. But on today's episode, you know, Mind to Constant Motion, it's in search of interpretation. And the reason I bring this up is in the close of 2020, while I was in one of the Facebook groups for safety professionals, we got caught up in some conversations. Some were positive, some were negative, depending on how you do listen to it or how you read it and basically how you interpreted that conversation went. And what we learned from this, well, I did on the side actually, was one of the room occupants, you know, one of the people that were actually in there, while they were not a safety professional per se, they were in there auditing the room. And I thought this was pretty interesting. I never knew that this program existed, but there are actually recruiters. There's actually people out in the field that will go into social areas as part of a team of recruitment to find the people best suited based off profile, based off interaction, based off how they deal or respond to certain situations. And we'll get into that in just a moment. This is Dragon Up 6.0. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. We've made these safety professionals who have actually have no practical experience in anything, right? Right. And they come out and they work for four years and then they get a CSP and then they sit in an office or they try to dictate what a program is going to be like when they actually haven't really implemented the craft. Sadly, you're going to find recruiters out there who will take your resume. Hey, I'll get back to you. Never get back to you. It's kind of what sets us apart. We're a small group in that we take our time to get back to people with feedback. The reason why they didn't go any further with your resume is it didn't have exactly what they were looking for. And this was what they were looking for. You guys in the safety world know as well as I do 
communication skills are paramount to driving behavior change, getting the word across, showing the empathy, showing that you care about these people. Drag It Up 6.0 is on the air. Brought to you by Safety FM. All right, and welcome back. Again, with this being a new year, we've got a lot of information we're going to be covering. Some of the guests that we have coming in are going to be specialists in medical fields that we're getting some information for those in the field, you know, that ask about certain things that are occurring. Not COVID-related, but related to their own personal well-being. Because as you know, your mind is probably your own worst enemy. The stress, being away from family, not knowing how long your job is going to occur, not knowing when things are going to develop or, you know, come at you in a different manner. We're going to have specialists on that. And because of some of the information we've seen on social media, uh, specifically in the Facebook and LinkedIn groups, we've got specialists in fall protection. They're going to come in and discuss why SIA, the 92 Alpha series, and all the recent trains in MBWP, why it's critical for most people and scissor lifts and other things to wear harness. While it specifically states that in certain pieces of equipment, you will do this and you will do that, they're going to shed a little bit of light so that everybody interprets the same thing as to why it's essential, why it's critical that harnesses and other safety devices are being worn. Additionally, we're going to have guests coming on to our site that are related to relationships and developing personal goals and obtaining certain things. We're going to have specialists in speech therapy. We're going to have specialists coming in to talk to you about, especially you on the consultant side or those of you that are on the management side, you have to get up to the executive level. You're going to have to get up to your corporate directors. You're going to have to sell ideas. You're going to have to build them up. COVID's going to impact us for a while. We need to reach out to an agency to increase production. We need to stop them, get a site-specific safety plan for contractors, vendors, outsiders. There is so much that Dragon Up 6.0 is going to bring to the table, and everybody is invited to sit. When you look at the forecast for the year, a lot of people come up and they say, hey, this is my New Year's resolution. We don't make resolutions on Dragon Up 6.0. We make a decision. We put it into motion. We move onward. We move upward. And that's what we're going to help you do. If you ever get to a point where you feel like you're at a standstill, where you feel like you're beating your head against the wall, call me. All you have to do is go to Google, Google Alan, the safety guy, all one word. It will give you my information. It will tell you how to contact me. My phone number's right there. But one of the downsides to it, you know, for people that have texted me and said, hey, Alan, I tried to call you. I need to let you know I do have an app on my phone that prevents unknown numbers from calling in because so many people call in. It could be somebody saying, hey, we got your social security off the internet. We're sending out a warrant or, hey, would you like to buy this or buy that? You know, I, I have no interest in that. So I've got an app and this is something for you guys out there and for you ladies as well. It's called You Mail. That's Y-O-U. M-A-I-L. Download it. If you get a lot of people calling you and you don't know or recognize that number, it stops them right there. You can also automatically set it to block any of the spam calls. It will stop it. And the reason I'm putting that out, that's a PSA. I'm not being paid by them. I'm just telling you, if you want to reach out to me, you want to reach out about the show, you want to bitch, moan, belch, whatever, text me first. My phone number's out there. It's Alan the Safety Guy, all one word. You can find it on Google. I've been around for a while. All right. Now, speaking about being around for a while, 
the show discusses in search of, you know, safety interpretation. How many of you noticed while you were on a job site or you were in, let's say, the safety professionals page on Facebook and someone had a question about how is the best way to perform this task? How do I get people involved? What do I do about this? And then you have a series of people responding and you're like, what the hell does that have to do with the question I asked? And it's all an interpretation. They thought or they assumed based off your sentence structure, the, your prose, your verbs, structures, whatever it is, that this is the information that you intended to ask. This is the information that you found necessary to go into the room and ask people for. What we found out, and again, this was from somebody who was visiting the room. They were looking for, on behalf of people that are in the insurance industry and in the construction industry, safety professionals that they could reach out to for short-term emergency jobs. And what they did, this is amazing to me, they hired a child psychologist, people that deal with people with Asperger's syndrome, people that deal with all kinds of infantile disorders. And these people were off work because schools were closed down. And they said, go in there. Let us know who has the best temperament for a short-term job, being stuck with brand new hands they've never worked for before, companies they've never worked for before, hands they've never worked with, and tell us who's the best fit. The reason I found out about it, I got into a discussion about MEWPs, and I asked the group in general, and this was spread across a couple of other pages as well, why was it necessary for people in scissor lifts to wear harness? And then you had a lot of feedback where they said, well, under the new MEWP, the A92 size standard, you don't have to do it in a scissor lift. And I said, you're right and you're wrong. Is there a potential to fall once they break that four and six foot elevation? Is it right or wrong that they need a harness because there's a potential that when they get up, they're going to stand on the railings. They're going to try and get elevated because that top rail prevents them to getting them to the area in which they're trying to work and apply their trade. When they said yes, I said, then they require a harness. So what occurred from this is that they reached out to me and we'll give this information, you know, because she's actually going to be a guest on the show. I've asked her to come on and give her interpretation on how she sees children with Asperger's syndrome and other syndromes interact with other children. And then she develops a working plan on how to get them socialized, how to get them to interact with other people. And one of the things that she checked with her colleagues is it's not that people are intentionally coming out to be an asshole. It's not that they're trying to say you're an idiot. Some of them, yes, you can tell when they hold up their mighty CFR and they say, this is the law. Well, we know what the CFR is. We know what letter interpretations are because people say, I read the regulations. I read the 1910. I read this and I still don't understand. And then OSHA issues that letter of interpretation. So what she garnered from the conversations was similar to what she would see in a classroom. People responded by how they interpreted the message. So one of the things that was developed from this, she had a conversation with some of the colleagues because she didn't want to overanalyze. She didn't want to say, well, this person's an extrovert. This person's an introvert. Because you can see in the rooms, all the introverts, they may like, they may love, they may say, this is my thing. But... They don't want to stand out because they see how the piranhas will go and swim around the carcass. And 
And that's, you know, that's an interpretation. They're really not piranhas. These are people responding because their interpretation of the message received is that this person wanted to know about this. Whether it was wearing a harness, a gentleman today came out and said, hey, this is going to sound stupid. This is not verbatim. But he said, hey, I've got guys with OSHA 30s that are wanting to take an OSHA 10. Now, it sounds odd to a lot of you that may not have been in construction or general industry. But in some recruitment, there is a caveat that you have to have the OSHA 10. And it doesn't make sense to a lot of recruiters because a lot of that fundamental information that is provided in the OSHA 10 is reinforcing the OSHA 30. You get the same information. You get it on the fatal four. You get it on, depending on that instructor, he may say, I'm going to spend two hours on fall protection. I'm going to spend an hour and a half on hazard communication. You actually have to follow a very specific training guide. But you go over the history of OSHA because you as a trainer don't know, did you cover this in your OSHA 10? We don't know. We could say if they were in our class before. So we interpret the need based off the client. And so what Casey came up in her conversation, although it was very brief, we're going to go into it more in detail in one of our Dragon Up 6.0 series, was that when she looked at it, she could determine who was an extrovert, who was an introvert who spouted specifically out the CFR because they didn't want to interpret that message and say, yeah, this is something you can do on your site if you set it as one of the safety laws or you set it as a safety program or you say this is required by your program. What hurts a lot of people when they go into these rooms and they ask for support, they assume that when people respond from whether the person has an OSHP, they went through OSHA train, they went through a CSP, through the BCSP program, they got certified. What they assume when they go into the room is that they're talking to professionals. A lot of times when they see the feedback that comes back, their first interpretation is, this son of a bitch is a complete ass. That had nothing to do with the question I asked. That had nothing to do with any relevance to my site, my needs, my requests. But what they're forgetting is the same way in which we view that, the person that responded viewed it in a totally different manner. And so what Casey came up with is one of the biggest shortfalls that hinders safety from progressing, that hinders safety from being unilaterally the same and and everybody has the same information and they apply it in the same manner, is each individual, whether it's a child, whether it's an educated adult, interpret something differently. And to test the theory, she had someone ask a question in a group and said, what is your favorite food? Very simple question. But depending on the individual, they said, you know, I'll start with me. I said chicken and dumplings. That is my absolute favorite. And then people that she thought would say, oh, I like spicy and all this because of their Latin American heritage, or they came from Thailand, they came from Southeast Asia. They would say things like, oh, I absolutely love chicken and dumplings, Alan. That's a great thing. I didn't think about that because where I'm at, this is what I'm offered. Everybody has different ideas on what's the best, what's the worst, what's efficient. And where Casey saw problems with safety personnel, and I'm just throwing this out there, there's nothing against the BCSP, there's nothing against the program. She said people in in this program are taught 
read these books, answer these questions. People from the NASP, or National Association of Safety Professionals, are taught by Eric Gislason, a continuous instructor. I mean, if you get something, yeah, there, there's some online stuff that he may or may not have touched, put his blessing on. But if you go to an inline class, it's always the same. You show empathy. You listen to what the people have to say. You base your programs off. If I come up and I tell you these gloves don't fit, I'm not O.J. Simpson. I haven't killed anybody. I'm telling you, my ass is going to get cut while you say these are cut level four. You say these are this. The reason I dropped that and shattered my foot was because your cut level four gloves are very slick. So, while they address one particular issue, they don't address them all. And that's the same thing with safety. If you go through OSHP program, through OSHA train or uh, OSHA Academy, you know, a lot of people laugh and they say, oh, that's just the OSHA 10, OSHA 30 on steroids. It's very basic information. And they laugh and they scoff at the people with it. But then you look at the Department of Defense, the Department of Defense contract sites, NASA, and the other organizations that use OSHA Academy and use OSHA Train, and you look at their TRIRs and their EMRs, they're a hell of a lot less than what you're going to get in conventional industry, general industry, and construction. Because what they did... They didn't just take an OSHA 10, which says, thou shalt not do this. They explain why. They have videos. So, when the people that have taken that programs get out in the field and they say, oh, my understanding, because I've given extra attention and extra information, extra training on this is, yes, you can do this, but you can also do this if the hazards warrant it, because that's the way they interpret it. So when you're looking at something and someone says, hey, this is what I see, this is what I feel, don't try and change that. Just answer the question. If they say, is it required for my people to have a harness on, don't say, well, yeah, at four feet, they have to have a harness on general industry because general industry also says also over dangerous equipment or, you know, and it goes into those levels. In construction, it's six foot. In steel erection, it's 15 foot. Everybody says, why do we not just say after four feet, you will always wear a harness? Because people interpret the hazards to be different at different levels. Scaffold builders, if you look at a scaffold builder, what the hell is he going to tie off to? He is building the platform. He's building it. So, and I've seen people out, and this has been in my experience, and people will tell you, I've shut him down. It's like, why did you write him up? Well, he wasn't tied off. He was at 12 feet. I said, what in the hell was he going to tie off to that will support the dynamics of his fall, 5,000 pounds of force, all the stuff that you have to consider when you do a fall protection plan? Well, he wasn't tied off to this. Well, is he properly trained? Did he tie off? Was he connected to something to, you know, limit his fall distance, to reduce the potential for impact? Was he trained for how to self-rescue? Then was he trained about reflow syndrome? Well, I don't know. And my interpretation of that is he didn't care or she didn't care. It happens. They see a violation, but their interpretation was the person wanted to violate with intent. Instead of saying, okay, my interpretation is he couldn't do it because it didn't exist. It wasn't available. When we look at any project, you know, a lot of people say, what does your site-specific program say? And it says, well, they'll tie off when a danger is identified. We follow the general duty clause. You know, it's 
There's nothing you can put in every book to cover it. And others will say, that's not it. You say in this, they do this. You say in that, they do that. No, you talk to the people performing the work. There may be more danger than you assume. They're not just climbing. What if they're holding parts that weigh up to 10, 15, 20 pounds? Do you know how much force it takes to knock somebody off the center of gravity if one hand is just crossed over the heart? That's a question you probably never heard before. But while you're sitting in your chair, put your right arm out to the side, just like you're just pointing in the right direction. Take your left hand and touch your shoulder. Have somebody come up and try to push your right arm down. They'll push it down easily because once you cross that center of gravity with your left hand, I can flip your ass over and it takes one pound of force. If you ever look at ladder safety, there's a lot of information that says stay centered to the ladder. Do not tilt over past the side railing. There's a reason because people smarter than myself and yourself has said, we found out this is what it takes. Now, doing that same thing, sit down, hang your arms to your side, just sit there. Imagine that I'm sitting here in this chair talking on my microphone. Now, without crossing my left arm over my body, I stick my right arm out. And I tell my wife, I said, honey, come down and with all your strength possible, try to push my right arm down. It may take her both hands. But as soon as I cross over my center with my left hand and it crosses my heart and it goes to my shoulder, she can take one finger and push it down. She may not understand it because her interpretation of my body's dynamics, my personal physical strength is I should be able to support it. But there's other things that we don't see. You may be looking at uh, the sun going down tonight and you see red. Somebody else is going to see fuchsia. That's not their interpretation. That's the way they see it. But then when you ask them, hey, what do you see? I see fuchsia. I see this. Same thing applies. Don't be a son of a bitch. If somebody comes up before you answer, say, are you asking me what the regulation is or are you asking me in this professional setting what I would do in this occurrence? Don't interpret. Get them to come out. Get them to state, this is what I need. Then you have that information. And when you give it to them, it's based off a complete understanding, a complete interpretation of what that person's asking for. One of the things we see coming forward in 2021 is a lot more failure between safety professionals. Because my understanding of excavations and your understanding, let's, let's just say they took two feet out of the dirt. You're saying, well, that's not a hazard. But what if they lay down in that dirt and their head and stuff is above? Well, still, it's less than four and a half feet. It's not considered confined space. It's open. But can things happen? Oh, most definitely. Just because we've not seen it doesn't mean it's not occurred somewhere. So, when you're interpreting a message, when you're interpreting a CFR, when you're interpreting a job site, you're giving them your view based off limited information. Take a minute, ask, clarify, communicate. Make sure that you're engaging both them emotionally and mentally. Because if they're passionate about something, something's occurred, and you may be that one point that saves a life. You may know the CFR forward and backward, but you don't know the site. So without you knowing the site, you may not see those additional hazards, and they're not asking the right question. Think about all the things that you've done to get to where you're at. And remember, it took research. It took time for you to learn that information. Your interpretation of that was, if you do this, this will occur, great things will happen. Take a moment, communicate with the people that are asking the question, communicate with the people that are doing things that you think are unsafe, 
And before you interpret it, make sure it's not something that they're forced into because of the environment. This is Alan, the Safety Guy, reminding you, as always, plan, prepare, communicate, and engage, and have an excellent 2021. And thank you for listening. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Alan Wilford. Jay Allen.